He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, joined by somebody who I respect, who I would not be where I am without, somebody who is legitimately one of the most clever people in Lakers Twitter. But none of that matters anywhere near as much as the next thing I'm about to say. But the biggest Pau Gasol fan that I know, Damon Rangula, thank you very much for hopping on. Thank you very much for making the time on short notice. And uh, and yeah, man, congrats. Take your victory lap. This dude is, he's, he's goaded, as the kids say. The honor is all mine, man. I'm so happy you had me on for this. Like, uh, it, it was, my schedule happened to be empty, but even if it wasn't, this is one of those clear the schedule because it's time <laughs> to talk about Powell, you know? <laughs> Uh, Aaron and I touched on him earlier this afternoon um, for for our usual Thursday uh, episode, and you know a lot of it. I I wanted to, and I'm glad that we got kind of his uh, vantage point on it. He worked for the Blazers at the time of the the Pow trade, and so like hearing him talk about the responses in Blazers offices was was fun. So I hope you guys check that out. But also in times like these. It's just the most fun to reminisce with other fans. Like that's it really that's, is. This is you know this you, you know this is like when you when you hang out with somebody who you haven't hung out with in a while, and you sit down, you're at a bar, you're catching up. Almost inevitably, especially when you're sitting with Laker fans, you just the conversations <laughs> go from like the small talk of like, "Hey, how are your kids? How is work? How is all that?" It's just like yeah. a preamble to then be like. Man, do you remember in 2007 when Kobe did this? And and you, you just you just it, it always ends up there. And so yeah, I love this is like my favorite part of sports, really. One of the things that I, um, especially this off season, am, am, am workshopping as a as a segment for the show is just like just naming people, like just <laughs> <laughs> just naming old Lakers just, just, and just sitting around being like Leron Prophet, <laughs> Chucky right. Atkins. Yeah, like it's it was a Darius Johnson Odom, and <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we are going to uh, we are going to in a second get to the festivities and and celebrate our dude pal. Um, we do have a little bit of news that we have to touch on here really quickly, as we know who the Lakers will play opening night of the season, and we know who the Lakers will be playing on Christmas Day. Uh, opening night will be a uh, Western Conference Finals rematch against the uh, Denver Nuggets as the Lakers will watch. I think they watched the last. Yeah, they watched the Warriors get their rings last year and will now do that again here in Denver. Um, and then on Christmas, the Lakers will be playing the Celtics. And you know, I was thinking about this. I think that like I think that should just be the tradition. I think the Lakers should just play the Celtics every year on Christmas. Yeah, I like that. And by the way, I think the NBA got it right. Uh, as always during the holidays, Big Brother hosts on Christmas. So <laughs> well done. Well done, NBA. Unless little brothers can't travel because they don't have jobs, Andrew and Alex. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I agree. But yeah, I, 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 think, I think the way to make it even more of a tentpole is just to know going in the matchup that you're going to get. Right. Yeah. And and Lakers Celtics is the biggest matchup in the sport. It changes, you know, every so often like Lakers and Warriors or LeBron versus Steph is always a big deal. But Lakers Celtics is going to if you if if everybody knows every year at, you know, noon Pacific, three Eastern, that is going to be the game. I just think that just elevates that day just a little bit more. But um, I agree. I think over the years, even when the Celtics were bad or the Lakers were bad, you know, one or two years, mm -hmm. um, that every time they played each other, nobody complained. It's like it was still appointment television, regardless yeah. of the circumstance. So I'm with you on that. I remember. I think the Lakers. This is to your point a second ago, right? That like it just it doesn't take much for fans to start reminiscing. But I remember when the Lakers were tanking. There was a game against the Celtics that went to overtime. Yeah, and and like even though it was in the Lakers' best interest to win, 
as soon as we got to overtime, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Win this one. Yeah. Win, like, no, you, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Win this one against the Celtics. I believe we were in attendance. My buddy, uh, Jamal, who's a, a Celtics fan, um, he, my, my, there were like, because the Lakers were terrible, um, there were sweet seats available for like crazy cheap. So we got the suite and um, it was such a blast. And the arena was just insane. Yep. Like Staples Center was just insane. And yeah, I just think that's that's what it would be. You alternate one year it's in LA, one year it's Boston, whatever. Um, and, and I Or you decide who hosts based on which organization has more championships. Um, that would be fun. That would be like you just uh, if the Lakers win one and they get to eighteen before Boston gets to eighteen, they just host on Christmas for like for until until the, the 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 scoreboard changes. But yeah, that's that's my uh, impromptu take. But let's get to the fun stuff. Let's get to the actually fun stuff. Um, and you had the idea, and it was a good one, of setting the table for the Lakers' acquisition of Powell. Yeah. Uh, let's go back in time. Kobe begins that year demanding a trade, uh, saying he would play on Pluto, get Andrew Bynum's sorry ass up out of here. He was pissed because they didn't trade for Jason Kidd. That was the original era of like viral TMZ type videos was the parking lot video. (laughs) Exactly. Um, By the way, it's a good thing Kobe didn't get his wish. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Uh, as, as, as nice as, and, and by the way, like at that time, kid was close to his prime, if not in it, um, it would have been an interesting combination there, but by not trading for him in that off season, it allowed them to wait and, and, and Powell became available. And I think it would have been a better side note. Jason Kidd has had this weird relationship with the Lakers for like 20 years, because if you remember Phil Jackson at his height of frustration with Kobe, Demanded that the front office trade yes. Kobe for Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. Then we get the Jason Kidd Andrew Bynum thing, and then obviously we get the whole weird head coach, assistant coach. You know, <laughs> who's the highest paid staff. assistant coach? In right. The you yeah. you get that whole thing. So it's, it's, it's this very interesting. Just Jason Kidd somehow keeps coming up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Kobe uh, doesn't get his wish. Demands to be traded. Doesn't get traded. Uh, famously meets with Dr. Bus. They came close to trading him, right? He almost went to the Chicago Bulls, yep. uh, but the Lakers would not agree to the trade if the Bulls didn't include Luol Deng. Kobe wouldn't agree to the trade unless Luol Deng wasn't included. And hey, it, we it, got Luol Deng, so it worked out. Win win. <laughs> Kobe, uh, again. Uh, now look, the the version of Luol that the Lakers would have gotten um, would have been better in this instance. But yeah. again, glad Kobe didn't get his wish in in this in this case. Jerry, in one of the most like baller owner moves I think ever, sits down the upset superstar and says, "Look, we would trade you. We would we would abide by your wishes if." the the trade value was there but yep. the offers have not been there and we cannot do this so kobe enters the season and on opening night gets booed um yeah. on opening night gets booed in in it's player introductions stranger, stranger moments in my fandom too because it was like kobe were was, you booing kobe was bad no 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 well <laughs> I, I was there but it, it was it was heartbreaking because kobe was basketball to me i learned basketball yeah. through kobe and it's just I'm I, there. There's a part of me. I, I I'm. I feel like I'm on the more sympathetic side in terms of Laker fan spectrum when I hear other fans, uh, other like superstars, ask for trades. And mm-hmm. I think it's because of the Kobe this. trade demand was so formidable, and it was such a big hit. Like I was sitting in my car listening to you know AM five seventy, just listening to whatever the latest thing was, just like lying oh, down, man. heartbroken, right. And yeah. it's just like I would sit in my car for I would park, I would get back home, and I'd sit in my car for like an extra hour just listening to 570. I'm glad there was no Twitter back then. Oh, yeah, man. That because our, our, we would need to delete our accounts. <laughs> so many tweets. Like I would have to go by a different at altogether. Um, probably should anyway, but <laughs> so so uh Kobe again gets booed on opening night. 
and because he plays so well throughout that game, by yep. the end of the game, he's getting MVP chance. Yeah, we are. I love sports fans. We're nothing if not consistent. Um, Kobe <laughs> always recognized that, though. He just said, yeah. hey, man, you guys can love me or boo me, but I'm going to show out and you're going to love me by the end. Exactly. So he uh, he he enters that season. We have that hanging over it. Beat reporters were asking him. It felt like once a week. How are you feeling about this stance? How are you feeling about these trade demands? They asked him in his walk-off interview on that yeah. game. And he yeah. said, I, um, I'm unchanged. Yeah. It was and so weird. It was so... <laughs> that was wild. Uh, and so the game that sticks out to me was actually a game between the Lakers and the Seattle Supersonics where Andrew Bynum goes off. Uh, he goes off. They beat the Sonics that night and they ask and, and and the Lakers are enjoying a very surprising opening to the season. They're well above 500, well in the playoff picture. They're playing really, really good ball. Uh, Odom and Bynum were actually kind of figuring this stuff out. It was, it was really fun. And they asked Kobe after that game, how do you feel about this trade demand? And he goes, you know what? Kind of like it here. And I went nuts. I went absolutely nuts running through the house. He's not going. We're keeping him. Look at this happen. So to zoom out, we are discussing a really low point in our yeah. fandom that summer. And now we're on the upswing. We, we you like the Seattle Super. You're like, okay, this is nice. This is awesome. Yeah. And, and, and that winds up being basically what that, that, that season was defined by was yes. just these, these just chasms and, <laughs> And then peaks and valleys. And it was anyway. So he, uh, they wind up having that game. He kind of walks back his demand a little bit and things are going great. A couple weeks later, Bynum lands on Odom's foot, dislocates his kneecap and fuck. <laughs> like, you're just like, all right, great. Now he's going to, we're going to go right back to the trade demand. We're going to go right back to this. Um, but one thing I will credit with uh, Kobe with though, was he was like, you know what? I'm still, we're still, we, we still have fight in this. I, I remember the, the response there is after was that the, game. Andrew Bynum was a standout, but there was something about the team energy wise that was clicking yeah. up. It, it was, everything was sort of coming into place where it started feeling like, okay, they're here now. Like this team has finally, yeah. whatever confluence of events, whatever, you know, Phil Jackson's impact over the years and like, it's all started to come together. Lamar Odom, obviously, you know, an unspoken part of that is just like things Things were really looked like heading in the right direction, which ultimately, I mean, Kobe is like a great basketball mind. I think that was a lot for him to see. Yeah, and and I think one big part of that season, I believe that, I think at the very beginning of the year, actually, Odom went to the bench. And because uh, I think he was in the running for or, or either that or it happened after they traded for Powell. But um, Odom, Odom was to me like Bynum gets a lot of the attention and, and he is like the reason that the Lakers looked formidable again. But Odom became the player that we were like begging because he was the centerpiece of the Shaq trade and he was one of the most, you know, one of the higher touted uh, players coming out of the draft when he was like one of the most legitimately one of the most talented players, young players that, that the league had seen to that point. And, and it was just like, when is this guy going to get it? When is this guy going to be consistent? And he started to show it that year. Um, so Bynum gets hurt and it was a few weeks, a couple weeks before the trade deadline. This was also the year that I believe the Lakers traded Brian Cook and Maurice Evans for Trevor Ariza um, of the Orlando Magic. And I remember going, you know, again, just losing my mind at that trade because couldn't stand Brian Cook. He was the most frustrating player that I had ever watched. And, you know, I, I wasn't thrilled about losing Mo Evans. I liked him. I, I thought he brought a lot to the table. But this UCLA product in Trevor Ariza brought youth and athleticism, something the Lakers hadn't had in a little bit. And... um Trevor Reza, one of the first games he plays, dunks on Grant Hill, murders Grant Hill on the national on national TV for everybody to see, and and you see that Kobe starts buying into him too, and you're like, ooh, yep. they just get healthy, Bynum, just get healthy, and this was this was a little bit later, but Bynum was doing the whole like uh, this was the 
the very first time I can remember the uh, anti gravity treadmill that they had him on, and yeah. it was like it was like gravity watch, where it's like he's running at ten percent gravity, he's running at twenty five percent, and that's how we figured out like when how close he was to returning. A few weeks later, though, as we near the trade deadline, the Lakers trade Kwame Brown, Javaris Crittenton, the uh, draft rights to Marcus Gasol, and I believe a pick or two to Memphis for Powell. Uh, where were you when that trade happened? I'm glad you asked because I remember exactly. So we all do. I, I was at UCLA. Uh, I can I know that this trade happened on a Friday. I couldn't tell you the date, but, but because I was packing to come back home from UCLA for the weekend. Now the day before at UCLA for UCLA students. Thursday was a big party day because they wanted, you know, people would go home for the weekend or go out for the weekend or whatever. So Thursday yeah. was a big party day. So Thursday I was at a friend's apartment and one of my friends, his name is Audria. Uh, I'm still friends with him. I just haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, I am actually going to message him tonight just because I remember this now. And Audria is a Spaniard and big, big, big Laker fan. Mm -hmm. And the night before we were just talking about the Lakers as you know, we all do. And he was like, I, so I just watched the Lakers and I, that was my, that was my exposure to the NBA. I, I mm -hmm. so he was like, man, I don't know like how it would happen, but I would like, my dream is for Powell Gasol to be on the Lakers. And obviously yeah. I'd watched Powell, but I didn't follow his career closely at all. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. I mean, I don't know, you know, that would be awesome, I guess. And I just looked up his stats and I was like, oh yeah, it looks pretty good. So Friday I'm packing and I always had ESPN news on in the background uh, as just like background noise. It was, you, you know, back in the day when people had TV and cable and stuff like that. And ESPN news is on there and they announced the trade. And for kids listening now, um, I had packed away my laptop and everything. So I was packed up. So I, mm -hmm. and, and my phone, you know, we, our phones didn't have ESPN.com or whatever internet. Like I was, I was. Mine you know, did, but it, it shouldn't have. Like it right, basically it sucked, didn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so they announced the trade and I'm middle of packing and I go, what? And it goes to commercial. Yeah. And so I'm waiting for ESPN to come back. I'm reading the ticker. I'm waiting for it to come back to the NBA because it's like it's cycling through MLB and this, that. And it comes <laughs> back and yeah. announces a trade. And, it, and, and I was like, wait, what? And yeah. then what did we trade? And then I stayed at UCLA for like four extra hours than I planned on <laughs> because I was, ex I was excited to be traffic. My classes ended early. So it was like whatever time it was. Yeah. Uh, I said, nope. And I watched ESPN News for like four straight hours. I called my friend Audrey, losing my mind. I'm like, you spoke this into existence. <laughs> Texting him, like just, and and we had like limits on text back days, so like, oh my I couldn't God. text. Yeah, you're right. I couldn't text too many people. And I was just sitting there. I saw the Stephen A. Smith segment. All of this I saw live. Like kids don't understand. We were watching this live, and I kept <laughs> waiting for the news to cycle, and I kept. I kept waiting for the ticker to come back just to like make sure I read it right and I understood what this deal was. Yeah. Obviously, we never heard about Marcus Gasol, and oh, so, well, I mean, I knew of Marcus Gasol. I knew the Lakers had his draft rights, but outside of that, I knew nothing about him. Nobody and, did. And 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 Mitch barely just, did. Just just waiting for that ticker is like the legacy. I still remember just standing in front of the TV, being like, "No, get back! Show that again! Show that again! Show that again!" And I, I mean, I I. Obviously, like since I, I just I did a deep dive on his career after that, but I it, I still remember that moment. It's like it was like a Christmas day for a Laker fan, and it really revitalized that season. All right, so uh, that's a perfect segue. So the Lakers trade for Powell, and his very first game. Uh, I remember this. Uh, it wasn't. I believe his first game was an away game, and New Jersey. Yeah, and uh, so the, they, they play that game, and after the game, Kobe gets out. And by the way, they look incredible together. Yep. It was They look so right good. Right away. It was just immediate impact. Kobe, Kobe and Powell were so simpatico. Like, it was just, you just knew that this was, and that was the very beginning, you know? And they were only going to get stronger from there. Yep. And after that game, they asked Kobe, all right, 
The Lakers traded for Powell. You guys just played really well together. They beat the brakes off of the Nets, if if I remember correctly. Yep. And and Kobe, how do you feel about things now? Like you know, we know where the season started. We know how you felt about everything at the beginning of the season. Where do you where where did things stand now? And he's like, I believe he cussed, if I remember correctly. He's like, why the fuck would I want to go anywhere now? <laughs> you see that guy? And uh, and it was just it was such a relief. It was such a release. And the rest of that season. I'm not going to go so far as to say it's like it was a blessing in disguise because I really do. I really wish we could have seen what Bynum would have looked like without that first knee injury. He just never could quite get right after that. But um, it did allow Powell and Odom a lot more minutes right from the get go. And Powell and Odom, the high low, especially in the triangle back then, it was just, it was beautiful basketball and it was immediate, you know, and you know, uh, the, the Lakers, now, that was a really tough season because they traded for Ariza. Ariza looks really good. And then in practice, Ariza also steps on Lamar Odom's foot. I know. And he breaks his foot. That's another great wood off. Like, Celtics fans always talk about, like, oh, man, Kendrick Perkins, if he's just available for the finals, da 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 you know. And um, if the Lakers have Trevor Ariza that first year, I think things go differently in, in that finals. Him, yeah, 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 it, yeah. For that, for that matter. But no, it it only gets brought up that Kendrick effing Perkins of all people was missing in in Game Seven. But anyway, you know, before before we even get into the finals discussion, I yeah. think it totally gets lost on the fact that they beat the shit out of the Spurs, and yeah. I think almost everybody had the Spurs predicted to be to go ahead, and they beat yeah. them four to one. Yeah, that team, well, I mean, look, that team makes it to the finals in that first year and then wins the next two championships. Like, that was that was the beginning of something really insane. By the way, just a reminder, Kobe demands a trade that summer. Low they point. have They have a nice, really nice run where Andrew Bynum shows his resurgence. High point. Andrew Bynum gets injured in a stupid-ass way. Underground. Pau Gasol trade out of nowhere. Way the hell up here. By the way, okay, so timeout. The Pau Gasol <laughs> trade. A lot of people talk about the return. And one thing that I think we got lucky with in terms of the era that trade happened in, if that trade had been floated on Twitter by any rumor person, it might have changed the... The sort what it of would have cost. what it would have cost and what other teams would have gotten involved. Yeah. Now we will never know the full story of who called what and who what everybody's war room analysis of Pau Gasol was and what they were going to offer for Pau. Listen, it's history. Like it, it happened. Get over it. But if somebody like Shams would have said that the Lakers and Grizzlies are in advanced talks around a trade dealing, you know, uh, Pau Gasol to the Lakers. Some team might have been like, wait, I didn't know Pau Gasol was available. Let's call them and see, hey, what if we, you know, that Twitter or the NBA internet ecosystem was just not there, right? And I think that more than anything, more than any of the nonsense that people say about, oh, Jerry West gifted him to the Lakers and all, like all that crap. Yeah. More than anything, I think a lack of information flow. such a great point, yeah. Is really what probably caused that Pau Gasol trade to be executed the way it was. And it was executed earlier than the trade deadline. And I think now, more than anything, GMs around the league always wait until the deadline. Like, it just... Very last thing. uh, Deals like that don't always... It's very rare a deal even a week before the deadline happens. It's always right at the deadline, maybe a day before. Yeah. Um, So it's a fascinating thing. All right, so we got the Pau Gasol trade, which is the top. And basically, man, like, I look back at that Celtics Series 2, and yeah, the, the Celtics, you know... Uh, all the bullshit excuses they make about 2010 and all that aside, I think that throughout NBA history, what you see most of the time is that a team needs to reach like a finals, like mountaintop, Mm -hmm. get knocked down before they have the sort of fortitude and the thing to get over the top. And I think that the Lakers that year were so ahead of schedule that actually is what propelled them in 2009 because Without that experience, I think it easily like if they had lost to the Spurs, 
honestly, we all would have been like, man, this was awesome season. Like we would not have complained. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think them pushing the Spurs out and then getting to the Celtics and that series was closer than we remember. We all remember the, you know, Gatorade bath in game six. But yeah, other than that, like there's a 23 point comeback in game five that uh, hurts, hurts my soul to to mention. But yeah, like if, if they win that game, you're two, two and you can afford whatever happens in game six. Yeah. Anyway. So there's a lack of experience on the Lakers side in 2008. Yes. That was the first Celtics team in 2008, but if you look at all the key players, they were at critical points in their career to where it made sense that their veterans sort of whatever won out. But what happened in the summer then after that is there was this, I don't know if it was just like undertone or maybe it was like a European thing or whatever. The talks of Paul Gasol and being soft started. And mm-hmm. this is where I was at my most defensive as a Laker fan. And I think that is good context to talk about what Powell did the next two years. But that discussion about Powell being soft, you know, started coming into play. Um, I was so proud of the way he played in the Olympics. Uh, you know, Kobe and Powell going gold and silver is, you know, a very, very nice thing. Yeah. Obviously, you know, the documentaries about, um, you know, th- that whole dream team. Uh, it was Redeem just team. A, and- redeem team. Yeah, sorry. is just awesome to watch and you could tell that kobe and Powell had a legitimate brotherhood and listen man we know kobe doesn't allow everybody in there was something about how that he actually connected to on a personal level um and so yeah that that was the 2008 season so we can go on from there well so really quick though on that on that 08 season the thing that um like you mentioned and, and and i'm glad that you mentioned that like kobe didn't let people in kobe was like not only did Kobe not let people in, but that was the most close off Kobe could have been, right? Going yeah. into the beginning of a relationship, that was the most jaded Kobe had ever been as a Laker. Looking yeah. around, he's like, man, I just averaged 35 and I got wiped in the first round. I can't, you know, I, 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 there is nothing I can do to make this group of morons relevant. I'm sick <laughs> of this. And, and, you know, Pal shows up and I like to talk about, and everybody talks about, correctly this is a basketball thing and we're all basketball fans but i think like pow didn't just unlock kobe the player or kobe the leader whatever in a basketball sense i think he really unlocked kobe the human because pow is is such an empath right he is such like he is so uh compassionate he is everybody who who meets him says he's just a total sweetheart um now he gets after it you know uh, he, he in in the series that the Lakers won championships in, right? He went toe to toe with yeah, with an absolute pinnacle Dwight Howard and and KG in his prime as well. Yeah, but like Powell's heart is is I think the 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 real secret sauce here. The 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 the, the thing that makes Powell not just you know such an incredible player and 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 all of that, but it it just it, it makes it so easy to root for the guy because you just know that this guy is 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 everything that you want on a basketball court and then more as a person and i think that really helped kobe um who at that point in his career was just so closed off and so sick and tired of everything going on around him that you know yeah he started to open up for the reasons that we mentioned earlier already but when when pal shows up and Kobe finds somebody that can be kind and empathetic and all of those things and also a basketball genius and also a fucking dog. Like Kobe seeing those levels to Powell, I think really allowed that, that relationship to, to, to bloom. We saw it immediately, but then what happens after that, where they are both, I, well, yeah, they, I think Powell's kid was born after Kobe's passing. But Powell was godfather to to um, to Gigi, and you know that is not something that happens very often. You know, godfather to me, I you know my uh, my daughter's godfather's uh, my my god my daughter's godparents, easy for me to say, are you know a couple of friends that we have at home that I know are going to be lifelong friends, and we are yep. entrusting them to a certain degree with you know a a a a guiding 
hand in, in our daughter's life. Um, my uh, son's godparents are my brother and sister-in-law, who we know are going to be there. So like for that basketball relationship to then elevate and escalate to that point between Kobe and Powell, knowing how closed off Kobe is, um, it, it was just incredible to watch. I, I wonder if what Kobe appreciated more than anything was not only who Powell is as a person, but Kobe clearly felt very comfortable telling him like he sees it, like a lot of tough love. Yeah. And it never, Powell never took that the wrong way. And he, oh, you know, it just, it's one of those things where you see the kinds of people that Kobe respected over the years. It's your Matt Barnes. It's your Meta World Peace. It's your mm -hmm. guys who don't back down from a challenge, from a challenge yeah. that Kobe throws at him. And I think Powell was all those things that you stated and also absolutely heard what he said, took it in the spirit it was intended, and became a better player, man. Yeah, well, that's, that's, the, that's the other thing that I think really resonates with Lakers fans, with Powell specifically, is we saw the evolution of the player and the evolution yep. of, of the person here with Powell where, yeah, when he came, when, when the Lakers traded for him, it wasn't just that like the 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 soft stuff started against Boston. That was the that was the the yep. knock on him because he was European. That was yep. the knock on Dirk because he was European. Um and to watch him, you know, look, Garnett, I think outplayed him in that in that first final series. Uh and then uh to see to see him it's something that I'm I'm looking forward to with AD this year, right? We AD punked Jokic. Jokic took that, learned from it and then became the player he was. Turned around, punked AD in the Western Conference Finals. I want to see how AD responds to that. Yep. We know how Powell, Powell responded, though, right? And how the yes. Lakers um, categorically responded that next season, where I, I believe uh, from the very first preseason game on, when they would break huddles, it was one, two, three, ring. You yep. know, and it was, and, and they were all like striving for greatness together with under the leadership of not just Kobe, but Powell in lockstep and meeting him with that intensity. Uh, the, the, the clip that I shared with Aaron earlier today is the one on uh, from NBA.com where they, it, it takes them through the pick and roll that they ran against Orlando. Oh, game one, right? Yeah. And Kobe's hissing at him. You know how many people, like, if you get hissed at, it's like, what the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, Communicating just with his eyes on yeah. like what, what he wants. Yeah. It, yeah. Such a and, uh, but, I'm so but glad like, that clip exists on YouTube. Like, we can just watch it. Well, you know, we could just watch it here. I, Let's do I, it. I have it here. So we'll just pull it up and go. Paul. Yo. Right. Game two of the NBA Finals hanging in the balance. I love the look like that guy just hissed, right? <laughs> Brian looks inside, finds Gasol, Gasol, count it, and a foul. The Los Angeles Lakers are two wins from a 15th NBA title. We did that. The whole defense is cocked towards me and Pop. So he and I are in constant dialogue of what we see, adjustments that we can make on the fly. And we've been kind of trying to time that up the right way the whole game. And it just didn't work out for us. And the right time it did. If we can time that up and be right in line with each other, oh, man, uh, it, it gives me chills every time. Doesn't matter. It, it just it doesn't matter what I'm doing. It's the it's the exact clip that like it's perfectly edited and and yeah, it just the thing I liked about it. And I, I'm repeating myself, but uh, it was three kinds of communication there. Right? It was. It was in the in, in in the locker room getting ready for the game, and and hey, you ready? Yeah. And you have that you had that like that kind of nonverbal communication, some partially ver verbal, partially partial tongue, but like you know you know that kind of communication. All right, let's let's go. And then on the court, you see like that that clip of of Powell like 
nodding his head and making his eyes real big and nodding his head and, and, and that. And then finally, like after the game, the fully verbal communication after you get the payoff of something that you know that they have scripted and ran through countless times against, again, one of the greatest defensive presences that the league has ever seen in Dwight Howard. They ran a pick and roll at him yep. and got that and one there. And it was just, uh, you know, that, that, that relationship. And, you know, that team that following year, now 08 is, I think, the, the storybook kind of season, the insane yep. storybook season that, like, you get the 30 for 30 on. But that next season, the absolutely honed in focus collectively so focused, was incredible. And, and, like, there are not very many people who could be the second best player on a Kobe team and have that much pressure on him as much as, as Powell did, not just from Lakers fans and, and all that, but Kobe specifically to meet that focus, to meet that intensity and rise to it. And again, go toe to toe with Dwight Howard was an MVP candidate that year. Yep. And, and perennial uh, defensive player of the year. Yeah. And it was a, it, it was a magic team that, uh, was really the precursor to a lot of the modern basketball that we see now. So they had the marketed inefficiencies on their side with yeah. the spacing and with the math and all of that stuff and the steroids that that team was on. And then, <laughs> and then, but the Lakers didn't matter, you know, uh, got a little help by way of a Courtney Lee missed layup and, and all of that <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But, but, you know, beat that team in six and, and, you know, you get that, you get that clip of Kobe jumping in uh, up and down in Orlando at well, like well, half court. We beat him in five, right? We didn't lose was it five? to them. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. 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 It, was, uh, it was very close. Like those games were tight. It was, uh, yeah, it was one of the closer five game series that you're going to find. For sure. Um, but five games nonetheless in the finals and, and uh, the Lakers take care of business there. And then the following year you have, you know, the, the, the title round, the, the, the storybook ending to the movie, the, the final chapter of the documentary, really that before so you get the, like the down, that, that is where you go from a great Laker to a legendary Laker. Yeah. You outplayed Kevin Garnett and the Boston Celtics in a game seven. So the Lakers tweeted this out uh, yesterday, I believe. And I mm -hmm. just want to read this. So in, Paul Gasol played three Game 7s with the Lakers. The Lakers are 3-0 in those games. This is what he averaged in those games. 21 points, 17.7 .7 rebounds, <laughs> and three blocks. Yeah, yeah, call this dude soft all you want. That is what he did in Game 7s. What do you think of this take? It's a take. It's probably a hot one. But uh -oh. like of that, of that era of great... Uh, power forwards right you have Dirk you have Duncan you have KG KG I think the Lakers have a similar level of success uh if he stays healthy and stuff um I think Duncan maybe Duncan was Duncan was uh, you know a little old at that time that was when we first started getting the conversations about like one of Tim Duncan's legs is longer than the other one <laughs> um but the one that is probably a hot take and it's a guy who's going in with this uh, Hall of Fame class too, Dirk. I don't think the Lakers win those uh, championships with Dirk in Palace Place. I think uh, Dirk uh, is a better player. He's a better. He's had the better career and stuff. But I don't think they win that one with 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 Dirk in Palace Place. Uh, Kirk Henderson is going to be at our throats, but you are correct. <laughs> I am right. Dirk would have had to go toe to toe with Dwight Howard and with Kevin Garnett and and like a Kevin Garnett that was like freaking homicidal because he wasn't there to be there for, for the, you know, the, 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 the rematch the year prior. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, should, I, I should absolutely went toe to toe. Yeah. Go for it. I think in 2023, we might've been Dirk might've had more value just because of the way we understand spacing principles yeah. better. And you would have had a true high low with like Bynum and Dirk and, and all, all that stuff. But with the way basketball was played and the way those series went and how ugly it got, yeah, I'm 100% with you. Yeah. So Kirk, that's that's a little bone to you, brother. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying Powell is greater than Dirk. I, I think Dirk had the better career at you know 
over the in, in, over the entirety of their careers, Dirk was the better player. But like you're talking about, situationally speaking, yes, the Lakers needed. Powell was so fit, averaging 17 rebounds. It's crazy. Like, he was such a connective. He was such a connective player. Like the 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 level where I will say Powell Gasol was just a greater player than Dirk was his cerebral nature. That's nothing to take from him, Dirk. It's just what level of respect I have for Powell. And the way yeah. everything, I think one of the reasons he probably accepted Kobe's sort of leadership style is because he saw it too at that level. And, yeah. and that's a very important thing. And yeah, there was a little bit of fire ice, a fire and ice personality wise to that. And I think that also benefited that locker room probably to have that sort of balanced approach. Um, but yeah, I think that's a lot about Powell as a player, but where I become a fan to a Stan is when we talk about Pow the professional, the, yeah. the, you know, Pow the human, as you mentioned, talking about him as a human, but we have all these great highs with Pow, and it's very rare that a player's end with a team is positive. It's just the nature of the business. And of course we have a very big transaction that got vetoed that involved Pow Gasol that mm -hmm. happened just a little while later and um, the way that I don't blame Lamar Odom one bit for how he reacted to that. I mean, that's yeah. a very emotionally tough thing. It's also basically unprecedented in history to announce a trade like that and have it be reversed. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to compare it to any other situation. This is a very unique thing in NBA history. But the way Powell came back after mm -hmm. that, and I just have more than maybe the 2010 and 2009, my appreciation for that guy just skyrocketed from there. He had yeah. every reason in the book to say, I delivered you two titles. You don't win those titles without me. You yeah. discarded me like that. And I'm still coming back and I'm being a professional. And even beyond that, after that, I'm sort of yada yadding where we're kind of no, zooming past it. this. It's like beyond that, uh, that whole disastrous Dwight Howard Steve Nash year where Mike D'Antoni is perhaps not the most diplomatically about speaking about power perhaps, how, perhaps right <laughs> the very first the, game that he was there they asked him hey why'd you bench power he's like because I was trying to win yes and the way he was you know Powell started shooting threes in San Antonio but I think I, I'm guessing that Popovich did a better job of approaching Powell with that kind of suggestion. Um, <laughs> but the boy. way, the way that Mike, the, the, like the whole Laker situation ended with the Chris Paul trade demand with the way that Mike D'Antoni year went with the way after Kobe's Achilles tear, he's here for another year with a horrible team. Um, the way he carried himself that year, those years are what, I remember honestly, like I just I will always have fondness for the championships, but who Pau Gasol was as a professional and as a player, those years I will never, ever, ever forget. I will never let anybody forget those two. He spent those the entirety of his last like chapter with the Lakers on the trade machine. Yes. And in trade rumors. And yeah. just it, you just pervasively and, and perpetually in every possible way. And uh, and still to this day won't say a single bad thing about that experience or about mm. uh, the way that uh, any of that went down. He understood that it was a business. I didn't like the way that they treated him. I wish they would have just traded him, you know, um, because it, it was just, you know, it was tough to see this guy just always be in that in that spot. But like even when the Lakers weren't very good um, and and. You know, you had the, like the Nick Young years, and and yeah. Powell started shooting threes and stuff, and he was just as joyous. Remember, there's the the clip of like he makes a three from the corner. And he's um, doing the Nick Young at, celebration. Yeah, at the very yeah, and 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 it's just, uh, he was just so filled with joy, and and I also think like, you know, we could talk about the basketball fit and why what was needed in those in those series where the Lakers won their championships, but also from like a human standpoint. Um, given the way that Kobe led, you needed somebody to be the the ice that cools down the locker room after Kobe comes in spitting all the fire and spitting hot magma at anybody who, who you know, drew his ire. It did require Powell to kind of step in as the aloe and be like, all right, you know, 
this is this is how he said it and this is the extra verbiage <laughs> that he maybe didn't need to use yep. but this is like the message here you know and 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 i i just given given what we know about the person he spends you know hugely charitable guy not just with yep. his finances but also with his time um him and uh mark are are, are the same in that regard yep. hilariously and, and uh harrison likes to tell the story but the lakers um could have, I guess, theoretically sent Sun Yue instead of Marcus all over there, but the Grizzlies decided they wanted Mark kind of at, at Pal, like kind of nudging them, being like, hey, he's going to be pretty good too. Uh, but could you imagine, like, if the Lakers had been able to get Pal for just no. Kwame? <laughs> I mean, this is how much, this is how much I like uh, Pal. Uh, I was so excited when Mark came to the Lakers, and I was, I now because Pete Zayas is going to be on our heads. I, I understand why the Lakers brought in Andre Drummond and what, you know, what role, what, what value he was going to bring to the table, but because he's supplanted Marcus Saul, I'm always going to hate him. (laughs) It's like by extension, Marcus Saul was my stand in for Powell. Yeah. I I just look, they could have brought in Andre and not promised him the starting gig. The way that the Lakers were playing at the beginning of the year with Mark, Oh, you know, know, where where there was there was actually a play where Mark was ahead of LeBron on a read on a backdoor feed and he was actually he threw the ball a little too far out in front. You know how smart you have to be to be That's out so in good. front of LeBron? Incredible. But but like and look, all those things that Mark was was brought to the table there and over the course of his career, you know, um he was like a more physical less skilled pal, you know, and yep. it was just like watching those guys reach that height Given that like his his parents are like doctors, you know, it was just like the most random thing that they would both. (laughs) No, I I I just I'm I'm I I just I I feel like people who are listening can uh can can hear this. It's just I have such an appreciation for Powell, and really, I mean, do you have a favorite Powell memory? Do you like? Could you if you if you had to (sighs) nail it down to one? I mean, it's hard just to beat Game Seven, 2010. It really is. Yeah, it's it's just it. Him celebrating that one shot where he's his feet may have come down before he let go of that shot. It's Remember, Skip Bayless was like, "I said know. it live. I saw it live." I was like nobody saw that live. Shut up, Skip. That <laughs> shot in that moment is where it's like, "Oh my god, I think we might do this." Because again, speaking of peaks and valleys, that game seven no. halftime was just depressing. I was quiet. I I was watching. So I typically for games like that, I have to watch alone. For mm-hmm. that game, I was watching with a couple of family members. And at <laughs> halftime, I was like, listen, guys, I'm going to watch in my room. Talk to you later. Like, I just I could not <laughs> process the moment. And yeah. I needed to rage to myself. So I, I, I went to the separate room. But that specific shot, maybe, I think is what I would say was like, that was like, oh, my God. Okay, we're okay. We're going to be okay. Yeah. Like, let's just keep pressing. Um, But other than that, man, I think... um. You know, it's it's hard to avoid this angle. Uh, just I think for our future lives as as Laker commentators, but um, everything Powell has done since Kobe, as you know, with his family, every time I see yeah. it on Instagram, every time I see Vanessa post something about Powell sending you know flowers or cake or for being birthdays there. and just being there, spending actual physical time with the family, it's just. It's a reminder that, I mean, those that is like this is family and they are legitimate family. And just seeing that, knowing that while Kobe might be gone, we have a part of Kobe that's there with them. Yeah, it it, it you know, it's just it, it's again, I know we're talking basketball, but it's just hard to avoid talking about this where um, what he's done on that front sort of justifies and 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 is a perfect example of everything we loved about him as a professional a player a human that we've all known for years and he's just he is not words these are actions these are things right in front of us and we don't see everything obviously we don't even see probably five percent of it but what we get exposed to it validates everything we feel about him uh, Jonathan Charks, before he passed, wrote for The Ringer, um, you know, will my son know your name? Uh, to this day, it's, um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's hard it's to just, It's killing me to, to even think about him. But, um, you know, 
when you talk about Powell in this regard, right? And and Jonathan, the point of the piece is basically John, Jonathan was obviously on his way out. He had a rare form of cancer that um, eventually took his life. And he wrote that, like, you know, everybody asks you how you're doing, what can we do, is there anything, is there any support, you know, and, and the thing that uh, he kept coming back to is, and, and uh, he experienced this with his dad, um, you know, will my, the time, the, the time is with my son who won't have me around. That is the thing that, like, I am so desperate to make sure that he's going to be okay in that regard, right? Yeah. And um Powell has every excuse uh to you know he's he a live in Spain man he's a, yeah he's a, he's a busy guy he has a young family his uh, of his own you know he lives halfway across the world he has every excuse uh and and yet um every time you turn around there's some new post not just about like the flowers that he sends or or the gifts or whatever that he can send to uh Kobe's kids but the time that he spends with them and, yeah, and, and the, the role that he plays in their lives uh, is, is magical, to be completely honest. It's, it's just, it is. It's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, it's exactly what you hope that these guys have that relationship. You know, like you, you root for them and you think you know them, but you don't, you know, you don't really know them. Um, and we you, know, we know realistically in 99% of the cases, it's, not like that. They're coworkers, and that's it. Yeah, and but in this case, it was a deep bond that went well beyond basketball and uh, everything that he was it, he was on the basketball court. And again, like legitimately, uh, a, a an important step in the evolution of the sport was Powell and the ability to to you know stretch the floor eventually and his ability to pass and all that stuff. He can move his feet defensively. Um, a perfect modern big in my granted biased opinion but uh more importantly than the basketball is this guy was an incredible elite human being and he's not somebody that we are going to come across again for a very long time and you know when people when people there's there are very few maybe no quicker ways to tell me you don't know shit about basketball than like questioning if Powell should have his number retired right and when those conversations take place, it's like, what else do you, he's, he's going to be a hall of famer. He won the two championships. Lakers don't win those championships without him. And again, stands for everything that we want in our athletes, everything like off of the court. That's exactly the kind of person that I want enshrined forever in money laundering arena.com. Like I, I, that's, that's exactly what I want in, in, you know, when I tell my kids about the athletes that, that I rooted for and the people who who inspired this passion that allows me to, you know, that, that leads me to, 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 uh, pursue this ridiculous career. It's Powell, man. Like he's, he's, he's my second favorite uh, Laker of all time. And, and I don't know if he's ever going to be supplanted. There's, there's a, just a true beauty of going to the arena and seeing Powell's Jersey right next to Kobe's. And that's like all you can, it's just, you point there. You're like, thank you guys. And yeah. that's it. Exactly. All right. That is a perfect place to end this. Uh, Domin, thank you very much for hopping on here on short, short notice. Uh, always an absolute pleasure to, uh, to, to chat with you. I, I uh, really enjoyed seeing you in Vegas for, again for way too little time. We got to, yeah. we got to make more, uh, more of an effort to see more of each other next time. I will be home in a couple weeks. So I'm going to see you then. How about yes, that? You will. All right. Uh, again, everybody, this is going to do it here for this week's content on the Lakers Lounge. Make sure you're subscribed here on YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed everywhere that you find your podcasts. And send your uh, questions in the form of a five-star review on iTunes. And until Monday, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Domin Rangula. And this has been the Lakers Lounge. <laughs>